If you're studying someone's shadow, maybe you've got those church doors open and there's somebody outside in the middle of the day, they're walking from the street toward the door and you might see their shadow firstly and the closer they get, the shadow gets darker and more concentrated and the figure looks shorter and the more life-size to the size of the door, you know that they're very, very close. But the moment that they step into the doorway, you don't look at the shadow anymore. The shadow's over. You look at the person that has just stepped into the doorway. And likewise with the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, he is going to fulfill all righteousness, and he is also going to seal up the vision and prophecy. He's going to fulfill it all, and he's going to reveal the will of God through him. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and today we're back on prophecy from Daniel chapter 9. And the safest form of interpreting prophecy is to bring it close to the work of the Lord in his church in the salvation of his people. God has not told us and given us specific information of what's going to happen in China, Japan, Australia, Peru, in the United States, or even the United Kingdom, God has given us in his word the gospel of the Lord Jesus that is for all men. And that leads us to Calvary, and from there flows out to men the great good news of salvation and eternal life. Now, what God does within particular nations works within his decrees and purposes, and God will have his ways. He will lift up and he will pull down. He will do so in his own time, in his own way. But the gospel must still be preached, and Christ Jesus is still the Savior of men. So I hope that you'll stay tuned today as we come to this book of Daniel chapter 9, and to those markers of prophecy that give us tremendous confidence that God is going to build his church to save his people and glorify his own name. Stay tuned as we move now to the message. And if you're a blood-washed Christian, you are clothed in the wonderful, perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus, brought about by Jesus' perfect obedience. The Lord had to live for this. He had to earn this in his own perfect keeping of the law of God. Jesus did not set the law aside. He fulfilled it every day, every hour, every breath that he took. He was fulfilling the perfect will of the Father that he would give to you and to me, all believers, a righteousness, a standing with God in his kingdom in perfect righteousness. Let's move into number five in Daniel 9, 24, to seal up the vision and prophecy. 
You'll see that in verse 24. And two, notice the little two. This is his purpose, to seal up the vision and prophecy. This is the ministry of the Lord Jesus ended all prophecy. Jesus' life was light to the world. He was the light of the world. He was the fulfillment of all prophecy. He fulfilled all the types, all the shadows, all the Old Testament ways. In Hebrews 1, we're told that God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. And when Jesus came and when his ministry began, God has no more to say to us than he has through his Son. And that brings the prophecies of God to an end. And it's like that shadow. If you're studying someone's shadow, maybe you've got those church doors open, and there's somebody outside in the middle of the day, they're walking from the street toward the door, and you might see their shadow firstly, and the closer they get, the shadow gets darker and more concentrated, and the figure looks shorter, and the more life-size to the size of the door, you know that they're very, very close. But the moment that they step into the doorway, you don't look at the shadow anymore. The shadow's over. You look at the person that has just stepped into the doorway. And likewise with the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, he is going to fulfill all righteousness, and he is also going to seal up the vision and prophecy. He's going to fulfill it all, and he's going to reveal the will of God through him. And of course, we know that in the New Testament, all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. And so he is that fulfillment of all the prophecies of God. Now, there's one left, and there's number six here in verse 24, and it says, and to anoint the most holy. How do the words anoint the most holy find fulfillment? The most holy is a reference to the holy of holies, and that's a reference to the temple. You have the outer court, the center court, and then the very inner court, the holy of holies, through the veil, where would be the Ark of the Covenant, the Shekinah glory of God would be in that compartment. And here the Messiah is going to fill up and he is going to anoint the most holy. How is he going to do that? Because he himself is the anointed one. Now remember the play on the words, Messiah anointed. And Jesus himself is the anointed one. And he is going to fill up all of these prophecies. John's gospel also records the remarkable words of the Lord Jesus as our high priest. And he entered into the presence of God to pray for us. And he did so. And he said, for their sakes, I sanctify myself. Now, only the Messiah could do this. Only the one who was himself the anointed one could become to his people the glory and focus of the Lord Jesus. Now, if all the furniture in the temple and tabernacle 
were types of the Lord Jesus. The showbread, the candlestick, the table of incense, that was in the center court. And then inside the cherubim, the ark of the covenant, the mercy seat, the covering that was covered with blood atonement. All of those were pictures of the Lord Jesus himself. And so our Ark of the Covenant is Christ. Our mercy seat is the Lord Jesus. Our light or lamp, Jesus is to us the light of the world. Our table of showbread, Jesus is the bread of life. Our table of incense, where the prayers were offered, we now pray in Jesus' name and in Jesus' name alone. There's now one way to the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he fulfills every one of these statements that we were looking at here in Daniel 9.24. Now, two weeks ago, I asked if one of them was fulfilled, that would be marvelous. If two of them was fulfilled, that would be exciting. If three of them was fulfilled, we would go, wow. If four, five, and then all six, totally amazed. All six predictions of Daniel 9.24, 70 weeks are determined until the Messiah is cut off, and so on. What an amazing and a staggering prophecy this is out of the book of Daniel. And we have all the details that are given right here in these last few verses, how these things will be accomplished. Now, perhaps the most applicable, relevant, and challenging part of this is what the Lord Jesus made of that prophecy of the desolation that would come upon Jerusalem as prophesied by Daniel. This vision of Daniel, of the abominations of desolation of Jerusalem. Well, because the Lord Jesus in Mark's gospel warned believers, his disciples, to beware and watch out for an army. And in Luke's gospel, the word army is used. You can search for that. Do a search for the word army. And the Lord Jesus predicted that there was coming a time when this city of Jerusalem would be destroyed. And he warned the people to flee to the mountains. Flee from the city. If you're out in the field, don't return. Flee to the mountains. If don't come back for a cloak, flee to the mountains. Woe be to those who are with child, pregnant mothers and mothers with infants. And pray that your flight be not in winter, he said. And so this was a real flight away from the destruction that was coming upon the city of Jerusalem. And we know from history that a great majority of professing Christians who believed the words of the Lord Jesus, they heeded the warning. And they watched out and they saw the approaching Roman army. They saw the siege beginning and they fled. They fled to a place called Pella, and another place up in the north, which would be Decapolis today, uh, a place of 10 cities in the northern part of Galilee. They got totally away from Jerusalem 
that they might not be caught up in this siege of the Roman army. Now, I think the best thing for us to do is to return to Mark's gospel and to just hear the words of the Lord Jesus himself as he gives these warnings. We'll start where we read before, Matthew, Mark, chapter 13, and verse 14. But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of, and again, that's those latter words in Daniel chapter 9, and the Lord Jesus believed in Daniel. He believed in Daniel's book, Daniel's prophecy. It was a part of the scriptures that the Lord Jesus advocated. And he says, when you see that abomination of desolation, that's what turned out to be the Roman army, that massive military machine that was sent by uh, Vespasian to take the city, standing where it ought not. In other words, what's this Roman heathen army doing here? They have transgressed. They've come now into the city of Jerusalem, the holy and the sacred city. Let him that readeth understand. Then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. Now, many people take this as a part of that reference to the return of the Lord Jesus. But Christians are not told to flee anywhere when Christ returns. We are to watch for his appearing. We are to be ready when that trumpet sounds. But there's no point in fleeing anywhere because the believers are going to be caught up in the air with the Lord. Doesn't matter whether you're in a city or on a mountaintop when Jesus returns. There's no point in fleeing because you're going to be caught up in an instant when the Lord announces his return. And so this is a different incident. It's an earthly incident, an historical incident. And I time it at AD 71 when the Roman army appeared and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And the Lord was warning his people. And he said, verse 16, uh, verse 15, let him that is in is on the housetop, not go down into the house. Don't waste a moment. Get away as quickly as you can. Neither enter therein, take anything out of his house. If you take your belongings, they're going to slow you down. They're going to, they're going to hinder your escape. And let him that is in the field not turn back again for to take up his garment. This is a tremendous warning that this is going to happen and you're going to get entrapped if you're not careful. And he goes on to say, Woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, and pray ye that your flight be not in the winter. Now this cannot be the return of the Lord Jesus, because it wouldn't matter whether the Lord returns summer or winter. It would make no difference. It wouldn't matter what the weather conditions were. When Jesus' trumpet sounds, he comes unannounced, he appears in the sky, every eye shall see him, and believers will be caught up with the Lord in the air. But in this instance, it's talking about the siege of Jerusalem, the uh, cruelty of the Roman army that's going to destroy everything. Get out, Jesus is saying, for in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation which God created unto this time, neither shall be. Now, 
Because of that statement, many say, well, surely that has to be the end of the world, not some local uh, invasion of an army. Well, you just read. Read the account by Josephus of the siege of the city of Jerusalem, AD 71. Horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. I may have said before that there was the death of 1.1 million people. Close to 100,000 taken as slaves. Many were put on ships, sold at the price of dogs into places like Egypt. And if you study the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord said in his word that if my people do not keep my commandments, that they would be sold as slaves into Egypt. And that prophecy was fulfilled in A.D. 71. Now let's read on. Verse 20. That the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. The siege of Jerusalem lasted about two years. And due to one section of the city that was suddenly taken by the Roman army, the time was greatly shortened. They might have held out even longer. And what was happening inside the city was horrendous. Verse 21. And then if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not. There were those saying during the period of the siege, Don't surrender. Don't make any truce with Rome. Hold out, because the Lord is going to return and deliver us. They waited a supernatural deliverance, which never happened. And there were false prophets right within the city telling the Jewish people, God's going to deliver us. God will never allow this to happen. Well, he did. And there were false prophets, false Christs right there at that time. Verse 23, But take ye heed, behold, I have foretold you all things. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars of heaven shall fall and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Now, did you notice perhaps in your Bible in verse 24, there is a, a, a paragraph marker and that new section begins with a but and it's a different event. It's no longer now Jerusalem, A.D. 71. It is the end of the world. After though, in those days, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, the stars of heaven fall. And then shall you see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth, to the uttermost part of heaven. These are two separate events with different circumstances, different ways of being uh, caught up with the Lord in this. And then he goes on to talk about a fig tree in verse 28. But let's go on down to verse 32. The Lord warns that the coming of the Son of Man will be totally without warning. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son of Man but the Father. There's going to be no warning. When the Roman army appeared, that was a warning. Get out. There's going to be absolute destruction. 
There's going to be no saving of the city. Get out. They were pre-warned, but not the day of Christ's return. There's going to be no warning. That day will come as a thief in the night. The Lord will come unannounced. Of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. And the Lord will return as a man on a journey who suddenly reappears and returns. Now, here's the application. The first prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, 24, referring to this abomination of desolation, this heathen army that destroyed Jerusalem, fulfilled to a T, in the perfect fulfillment of time, the 70 weeks, 490 years, many things fulfilled to a T. What great destruction to unbelievers. The coming of Christ is a separate event, but it is very clearly prophesied in the scriptures. And it shall unfold as perfectly as that destruction of the city of Jerusalem in the fulfillment of time. What are we to do? To watch and pray. We are to deal with each day as the day when we need to be ready. We need to be totally on guard. And the command is given in verse 35, Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. That's what the church is to be doing. That's what the Christian is to be doing. And this Daniel's prophecy is just a, a, a lot of information of an incident that took place, a period of time that was fulfilled, just as God predicted. And he's going to do the same again when Jesus comes in the power of his glory. And so we are to be prepared. We are to apply our hearts unto wisdom in light of these very things. Be ye also ready. I wonder tonight, is there someone here, adult, man, woman, boy or girl, and if Christ came today, you're not ready. You're not saved. Your sins are still the problem. You have never come to plead the atonement, the cleansing, the saving work of the Lord Jesus. You have never asked the Lord to save your soul. Tonight, the Lord is saying in his word, watch, be ye also ready. We know not they are. We can't even begin to guess, but we must be ready. And I hope tonight that you are saved. What a terrible destruction fell upon the people uh, in Jerusalem. God is a God of wrath. And his coming for the wicked will be the destruction of their lives by fire and judgment right from heaven. We need to be ready. And the work of the church is to call men to get ready. May we not fail in that great task. Let's bow in prayer as we close. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and I have a question for you at the close of this program after the message that you have just heard. And it's a personal question, but it's one that I must ask you if I be faithful to your soul. And one day I will give account for how I have presented the message 
and cared for your soul. And the question is, are you personally ready for the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ? We have learned today that all of the prophecies of the Bible have been fulfilled to date. And we absolutely believe that everything the Lord Jesus predicted or promised will come to pass. So what's going to happen when the Lord Jesus comes? Well, exactly what he said. The trumpet will sound. There will be a fantastic announcement that the Son of God is coming in the air. He will bring his saints and his angels with him. The Lord will command the angels to go and reap the world from corner to corner, and there will be a gathering to judgment. Every soul on that day must give account for every action, every deed, every word, and indeed every thought. And then you must stand before God to be separated between the sheep and the goats, the righteous and the wicked, between those that are saved and those who are lost. Now, that's a fearful thing, and it calls us to be ready. And you might be asking, how can you be ready to give account before God, even though you're a sinner, even though you're lost? Well, you need to accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You believe in his mission to save your soul, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And as you take that position of a lost soul, believing on the Lord Jesus, praying that he will save you on the basis of what he undertook to do for sinners. And the prayer of the Lord Jesus in John chapter 17, 24, was this. He said, John seventeen twenty four, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. So to be ready, you must accept Jesus as Savior, that his mission was to save your soul. Believe in his work at the cross to purchase you from sin, and believe that he's now at the right hand of God, praying for those who trust in him. Now, that means that you come by faith. You must trust. Faith means you personally trust, that you take rest in the Son's triumph in his perfect life, atoning death, and in his resurrection. And you pray, you call, you ask, you come believing. And in John 20, verse 31, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that believing ye might have eternal life. There's the promise. There's the guarantee. There's the assurance that you will be saved. You will be ready for heaven. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.l.com 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music.